legendary, but approachable. It's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The podcast that licks its pencil point before ciphering. He often wishes his belly button was a USB port. Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. We are here to help you feel really, really confident about the transition you're going to face from Obamacare to Medicare. And uh, I often talk about that transition and how you can approach it confidently with the knowledge you gain from my book, which is entitled Medicare for the Lazy Man simplest and easiest guide ever the 2022 edition is out as we speak it is on the shelves at amazon.com you can get a paperback you can get a hardcover version you can get a kindle or ebook version and you can get an audible version in which i read the words and turn the pages for you it's probably the easiest way to absorb medicare knowledge ever created and uh, once you finish absorbing the very short read or the very uh, sm- relatively small amount of Medicare knowledge that you're going to find in my book, you're going to know more about Medicare than almost anybody else in the whole United States. And that's kind of a sad thing because Medicare shouldn't be that complicated, shouldn't be that scary, but unfortunately it is. And so it requires a, a very apt and short to the point description, uh, such as the one I've written, in order for people to feel confident that they're not going to run afoul of any of the Medicare penalties or rules or complications in life. Now, often I used to say, well, the the title Lazy Man came because I look in a mirror. But uh, a proper definition of the lazy man in the title, Medicare for the Lazy Man, is really a man or woman who doesn't want to waste their time studying Medicare minutiae and becoming an expert. One of my first clients back in the dark ages of my Medicare career was a married couple. I had known the uh, the husband since he was a small child, and uh, the wife was a fairly new uh, acquaintance to me, but they came over to the house, and uh, as I state in the book, the uh, wife brought with her, lugged with her, all of the Medicare-related mail that she had received over the last couple of months, and it had been a prodigious pile of stuff that she brought with her. And she said, okay, we're going to have to go through all of this, and you're going to have to explain every piece of mail to me. And so I got the wastebasket, and I said, here, let's put it right here, because I don't think you're going to need it. And if you change your mind later on, I'll dig it out of the wastebasket. And then the husband said, where's the beer you promised to give me? And I said, well, it's it's right here in the refrigerator. And at the end of a couple of hours of chit-chatting, they were happy campers. The wife never asked to see that pile of junk mail that she had received. And uh, they went forth into the new world of Medicare with uh, a new attitude, a, a confident happy attitude that they had uh, really done the right thing in coming to me 
to simplify Medicare. And that's what I try to do for everyone in the United States. I'm not trying to make any money with my book. I want you to become my client for the supplemental coverages that Medicare requires that people have. And so buy the book, gain a clear understanding of Medicare, and then you'll understand completely what I recommend for people. So anyway, I do this. I can't do it all by myself. This is a hefty responsibility. So I have the assistance of one Randall Carson, who is sitting on the other side of the screen, twiddling the dials and sliding the slides. Hello, Randy. How are you today? Good morning, Mr. Jones. How are you doing this fine morning in Cave Creek, Arizona? Well, it is a beautiful, sunny Arizona morning. And <laughs> knowing that we're in monsoon season, it didn't surprise me at all to drive home last night with lightning striking all around us. And I'm guessing that we're going to have the same thing happen, you know, short rainstorms periodically. It's monsoon in Arizona, and that means at least 50% of our annual rainfall falls right in the middle of a hot desert summer. My recollection is the average annual rainfall for Arizona is somewhere around seven inches. Is that I, right? I remember hearing ten, and ten? I think that would I think that would um, would that depend would that differ depending on whether you're up in the mountains or not? I don't know. I I would think yeah I would think so. Um, bottom line is seven inches down here, especially yep. if it came in a short period. Yeah, we would all be out building an ark because as you as people may not realize, it doesn't soak in. It just stands on the top and it runs off and it becomes a, you know, a crew, a crushing volume of rushing water that people tend to drive their vehicles into. Oh, that's probably an inch deep. I'll just drive right through it. (laughs) Well, it's an inch deep. After you hit bottom, but (laughs) (laughs) that's why we have a stupid motorist award, uh, you know, law out here because you're, you know, people with four wheel drives. Okay. I've had four wheel drives my whole life. And there's a couple things that people with no no long-term knowledge or experience with four wheel drives don't figure out quickly enough. One is, is that if you're back in uh, Omaha, Nebraska or St. Charles, Illinois or what have you back in the old, uh, you know, traditional winter weather, if you're on glare ice, it doesn't matter whether you got 16 wheel drive. You're not going anywhere. Absolutely. I had a CJ5. Yeah, yeah. And I would I would uh, in two wheel drive, I'd be driving along. And if I hit a patch of ice, I was spinning with no mm-hmm. rational reason for it. I mean, forward momentum, straight <laughs> road. You would think that I would just drive over that ice and keep going. But no, as soon as it hit ice, uh, I was doing a spin. Yep. And then the other place that's a similar, uh, you know, four-wheel drive is not going to do you any good place is when you drive into a wash out here that happens to be six feet deep and your tires are not hitting the ground. Right. Right. And uh, that's the stupid motorist law hasn't really prevented the stupidity. All it's done is shift the cost from the taxpayers to the stupid motorist. But that's good enough for me. I say, you know, if you're going to send out a helicopter, uh, they probably need some experience. So, you know, let's uh, train them in, in saving human life, but let the stupidity pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and, Tell me if you don't see it this way, but after the Hummers came out 
It seemed like the stupid motorists were sprouting out by the thousands. Well, I remember a lot of stupid motorists in when I lived in Tucson prior to Hummers ever being invented. They were still driving Jeeps in the Army. And it was yeah. uh, so I, I don't know that there are more now than there used to be. I'm not sure the Hummer, <laughs> you know, uh, increased it. I know I drove a Hummer once. And it yeah. the, exp- the experience was very much like driving a station wagon, a modern, you know, larger than average size vehicle, but basically it was an automatic transmission. There was nothing complicated or difficult about it just because it happened to be a Humvee. Uh, yeah. It, and so, uh, of course, I got yelled at because I wasn't supposed to drive it. <laughs> But well, I yelled, there is that part. <laughs> I yelled right back because it wasn't supposed to be parked where it was with the engine running and the driver's door open, blocking a whole row in a parking lot. And with all these cars lined up behind me and a car full of uh, antsy tourists in my car, I said, okay, this is the solution to the problem. We're going to move that thing out of the way so that people can drive around it. And the, the, of course, the driver that left the door open, left it running, came running from like 200 yards away and uh swearing at me and i swore right back at him i said don't block the the uh aisle in the parking lot and you're not going to have me getting into your hummer and driving it that's around that's right that's right absolutely no it's uh, the stupid motorist law I, th- I think is really kind of a necessary evil out here uh the other thing that i found really uh not it doesn't occur to people and until you live out here, but when there's a big uh, rainstorm out here and there's a there's a dry wash that all of a sudden turns into a you know like a, the Missouri a raging River. a raging torrent a yeah yes and it does it, okay so you go oh I I'll put her in four wheel drive and that's great up until you hit that boulder that came down from the mountain that you didn't see yeah. underneath the water. Yeah, I've told the story before. There was a time in Tucson when uh, I think it rained in the mountains. It didn't even rain in town, but uh, there were a bunch of kids playing in a wash, which can be a fun place to play for kids. And the the uh, flash flood from the prior rainstorm up in the mountains came rushing down this wash, carrying with it a tree trunk. And I mean, I'm guessing this thing was many, you know, like 10 feet long or more. It was a dead tree that had fallen over and it came, you know, flying down with the torrent of water. And these kids were killed. It was several kids, like four or five kids. My recollection is maybe a little foggy about this, but it was back in the seventies and a really tragic story. And I think an object lesson is, you know, get out of the wash. If you think there's any chance that water is going to be coming down. Playing in the wash is not a good idea. Well, I knew a couple that, of wranglers that that uh, broke horses in a wash on uh, Cave Creek. Um, they, yeah, because uh, it was sandy and soft when they hit the ground. Yeah. So yeah. that was, but they're adults, and you know, frankly, uh, they knew it hadn't rained anywhere in the area for a long time. Well, the last time I tried to break a horse. I decided I didn't bounce as well as I used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a kind of a young man's game, isn't it? Yeah, it, it definitely is. So, you know, we probably need to get yeah. after some business here. I, I see on the script today that we are going to talk about. What are we going to talk about? Well, here's the deal. Last time I had a I had to break your heart because you said, I've got my heart set on these two uh, subjects. And then um, I did a curveball. I called an audible because we had some correspondence and a listener who needed to be 
answered right away. So this time I've got two different possibilities, and I'll let you pick the one you think I ought to start with. One is Medicare Advantage prior authorization legislation, and the other subject is the CDC quietly drops its vaccine vaccine status discrimination. I want the first one because I, you know, I've got a bone to pick with anything yeah. called Medicare Advantage. So I think that's the one I would go with, Doug. Okay. Well, we talk about Medicare Advantage plans or Part C crapola plans uh, as having many, many flaws and areas that can disappoint you or serve you badly. And one of those is always the fact that in Medicare Advantage plans, most of them, not all of them, but most of them require authorization for you to see a specialist. In other words, you'll have an assigned uh, doctor, a, a, a CDC, no, a CDC, a, a, a general practitioner. There's a network in the yeah, network. Yeah, yeah, it'll, be kind a, it'll be a doctor in the network, but it's a, a, a primary care physician, PCP. And that primary care physician is your dude, and you're going to go, or your dude or your chick, and you're going to go to that doctor for any, most of your treatment. And the curveball that most of these Medicare Advantage plans throw at you is that if you want to see a specialist because you've come down with something that needs to be diagnosed or needs to be treated by a specialist, they throw a roadblock in the way. They do not encourage you to call on a specialist. In fact, they make it difficult and uh, they delay the process. They make it frustrating in many cases for you to actually see a specialist. So some of these plans right up front, they say, hey, we're better than others because we don't make you get permission to see a specialist. But that's those plans are very few and far between. So I ran across an article that says prior authorization, Medicare Advantage, Congress, oh no, that's that's a list of the subjects here, <laughs> like hashtag points or something. A key House committee unanimously advanced legislation on Wednesday to require electronic prior authorization for Medicare Advantage plans. Now, they don't take away the rule of prior authorization, and I'm going to explain to you in a minute why Randy and I discovered that the fact that their rule exists is really the the stumbling block in many cases. Uh, but they, this House committee, uh, said that they are going to require a new procedure to hopefully answer the speedy the question of speeding up the uh, permission to see a specialist if you have a Medicare Advantage plan. Often they used to tell you, and they still do tell you, yeah, you can you can uh, apply for permission to see a specialist, and we'll get back to you in a few weeks or a month or whatever. And so now they're saying, let's speed up that whole process by federal law. These insurance company plans, these Medicare Advantage plans, need the federal government to lean on them to do the right thing. So uh, the story goes on to say a key house panel advanced legislation to create an electronic prior authorization process for Medicare Advantage plans. And uh, the House Ways and Means Committee unanimously advanced the improve. Oh, <laughs> boy, their names are just really catchy. This is called the Improving Seniors Timely Access to Care Act of 2022. 
say that fast. 50 Here, times. Let, me, let me write that one down. Hold on. I'll be right back. I need you, to write that one down. I hope you have a pencil sharpener because you're going to need it before you finish. The legislation has more than 300 co-sponsors and wide support across the healthcare industry. Okay. So that's good. Let's say that the federal government leans on these insurance companies and they speed up the request process for uh, a member of the plan to see a specialist. That part is good, but there's going to be, I predict there's going to be something else in that process that will still be problematic. And I think Randy's going to be nodding his head like a bobblehead doll when I tell him what that is. But I'm going to read on with this article. The healthcare system is complicated in the best of times, uh, said one of the leading co-sponsors. In a statement, doctors and their patients should not have to call or fax back and forth with insurance companies or send documents multiple times for procedures that are approved over 95% of the time. The legislation would require the Department of Health and Human Services to create a process for faster real-time decisions on prior authorizations uh, prior authorization requests for items or services that routinely get approval. Insurers rely on prior authorization to help control costs. That's what you're going to be faced with constantly in a Medicare Advantage plan, the, in, the company's efforts to control costs. It's just like in Canada. How do they control costs? They ration care. Uh, so newer and pricier treatments are especially prone to the uh, to the restrictions that they throw in the way. So Medicare Advantage plans would also have to report to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. That's the government agency that can't figure out how to properly spell their acronym. Should be CMMS, but they actually pronounce it or spell it CMS. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. So they would have to report how much they use prior authorization and the approval or denial rates. So, uh, let's see here. Uh, plans would be encouraged to adopt regular prior authorization processes that adhere to key evidence-based guidelines crafted on consultation with physicians, according to a release on the legislation. The legislation moves the healthcare sector into the 21st century by giving doctors and Medicare Advantage plans the tools to make health coverage decisions in real time. The legislation is expected to reach the House floor this fall. After lawmakers return from a month-long recess, nobody ever gives me a month-long recess, Randy. And I don't give Randy a month-long recess. We're here cranking out these podcast episodes day after day after day. However, the vast bipartisan support for the bill could help hasten its approval process. The legislation only has not only has more than 300 co-sponsors, but sailed through the committee via unanimous vote. The legislation also garners key support across both payer and provider industries. So I will say that there is one flaw that they're not addressing here, Randy, and you and I found that flaw in another, actually a series of articles that we read over the last year or so. And that is that the company will often turn down or deny permission arbitrarily to see a, uh, a, a specialist because they don't want to spend the money. They don't want to have to pay for that specialist. And then if the member of the plan who has had his permission denied starts the appeals process, we've seen that the company rolls over almost all the time and says, oops, 
we've changed our mind. We will allow you to see that specialist. You remember reading all those articles? But oh, 90- yeah. And the thing that, yep, the thing that bothers me, Doug, is until I see the politicians using the same program, you know, as soon as the congressmen and the senators and everybody in the government is using Medicare Advantage systems, yeah, then then I might then I might listen to them. But as soon as they're selling, you know, the public something that they won't use themselves, so I don't believe a word they say. Well, I'm with you. I don't think this is going to solve the problem. It sounds like an exciting thing. Okay, they're going to solve one problem that Medicare Advantage plans have, which is access to specialists. But the problem that we have is that the plan often denies that access arbitrarily. They want to save money, and they know that a a good percentage of the members that are denied permission will not follow the procedures to uh, to protest or to appeal that decision. And so most of them will just go away. And as I said to uh, little Joe, uh, who I was on uh, little Joe's uh, conservative corner, I explained to him that those people will either dig deep into their pockets to pay for the specialist uh, treatment, or they will forego the treatment, which means that they may have the beginnings of something that needs to be diagnosed because it could be really serious, or they could be in pain and uh, just not getting the kind of treatment that we would hope they would get to relieve uh, the pain or whatever. So all in all, these Medicare Advantage plans can cause angst on an individual basis, and you're not going to read about it in the newspapers. So this legislation may be a baby step in the right direction, but it doesn't solve the problem of the company arbitrarily denying permission to see a specialist until you bitch scream and follow the legal steps to uh, file an appeal, which is a big pain in the rear. But uh, when you do it, it's likely to change their mind very quickly. So that is the scoop on what is happening with the uh, limitation on Uh, seeking treatment from a uh, specialist in a Medicare Advantage plan. Well, given that I'm an IT guy, you know what pops into my head, first of all, Doug? I'm I'm afraid to ask, Randy. (laughs) Now all they're going to have is the ability to reject the first claim quicker. Mm-hmm. Because of the autom- because of the automation. Yeah, this doesn't do anything to address the uh, ad- approval or or um, rejection rate, and it states it right there in that article. The only reason these companies have this restriction is to save money. And what are they? How are they saving money? Just like in Canada, they're rationing care. If too many people need to see a specialist, they're going to refuse permission, so that they don't have so many specialists to have to keep in the network or so that they don't have to pay the extra cost of treatment by a specialist. Yeah. Right down by the submit button, uh-huh. you know, where you submit, just where you submit your claim. Sure. It's for the fir- first time, it'll say, is this your first time? And then you say yes. And then down at the bottom, it'll say, don't bother. Well, that's, that's probably the, <laughs> <laughs> the old fashioned way. I think what's going to happen now is they'll have a big red button. When you push that button, a jolt of electricity will come shooting through your finger and that'll teach that's you right. not to, not to seek treatment from a specialist in that. That's plan right. That's so, right. So th- that's pretty much it. If I start the other interesting article, I think we're going to run out of time and we don't want to uh, keep people from their appointed rounds, as the, the post office would say, any longer than we have well, to. 
Well, the crickets have spoken. I don't remember. I don't know if you heard that. I or did. Not, I heard one little trick. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're podcasting on borrowed time here. So let's go ahead and wrap her up because oh. I don't want to keep anybody, like you said, from their appointed rounds. Uh, but before we do that, I would like to point out that you, anybody listening, do me a favor. Write Doug an email at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Consider the fact that we're coming into the latter part of the year and you need to be, you know, thinking about holiday gifts and all that kind of stuff. Go to Amazon.com, order up several copies of uh, Doug's paperback for this year, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2022, the green one, or get an audio version or get an electronic Kindle version. Each of them have the same information. It's just a matter of how you want to digest the stuff that Doug is going to spoon feed to you. That is a a really good way to put it because it is spoon fed. It's not complicated or it's, it's not full of uh, insurance jargon or government jargon. This is a method of a delightful method of obtaining the Medicare knowledge you need. Absolutely. So we're going to sign her off today, folks. Thanks for joining us. We always appreciate it. You have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy originally hailing from Oklahoma, but now residing in Cave Creek, Arizona, up in the higher altitudes behind the city. Doug is watching over the city, making sure that nothing goes wrong from about uh, an altitude of, uh, oh, I don't know, 12,000 feet today, I think. Tough to get a breath, but <laughs> thank you for joining us, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. <laughs>